Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Kristen Walker, and I'm the editor of Football Garbage Time. And with me today for this special episode, my co-host is Scott King. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? And Happy New Year. Hey, how's it going? Happy New Year. Um, your audio is pretty broken up. Oh, is, it, is, it, is this actually a problem right now? Is, am I not coming through? Oh, okay, it just cleared up. There you go. Oh, it, it, was, it had come through a little broken up, but you're you're clear now. So I think we'll okay. be good. Yeah. So for everybody out there in Radio Land, uh, this is part of the course for uh, the uh, Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for the uh, fact that we actually got a little bit of a late start today because, as uh, usual, uh, two out of ten times. Things will not work when you start the studio, um, but we are up and running now, so you get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain there, everybody. Uh, Scott, how were your holidays? Oh, they were good. I got a chance to get out, got out of town and uh, got to experience the Star Wars uh, adventure down in Orlando, so good time. Oh, how about you? Uh, that, was, that sounds well. I managed to... Um, I managed to herniate a disc in my back, so mine was a little bit less exciting oh. than yours. <laughs> um, so not not fantastic. Let's just put it in not fantastic. Not to mention that my flight got canceled uh, to go visit my uh, family, and, and of course, uh, we had to reschedule and yada, yada, yada. Regardless of the fact, we made it to 2023. So that's all 2022 problems. I'm thinking of 2023 as all positive now, so there, there you go. Yeah, there um, you go. So, yep, so I'm going to look at the right side, but... Uh, that being said, you know, of course, we want to ta- take a minute here to talk about um, this special episode because uh, everyone here is probably aware of what happened with Demar Hamlin in Monday Night Football, and we at Football Garbage Time have this special episode set up so that we can celebrate Demar Hamlin and his past to the NFL and all that he's done to support his family, his team, and his community. And of course, at the end of the show, we'll also touch a little bit on Week 18, which is just around the corner. So with that said, let's just go ahead and get rolling on that because this is the um, – everything everyone, as I mentioned, is aware of the tragic events kind of surrounding uh, DeMar Hamlin and, and the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, for those who are not aware, Hamlin was uh, – Hamlin tackled T. Higgins, uh, got up and then fell over, required several minutes of CPR before being brought to the UC medical center where he was intubated and was in critical condition. Thankfully, we have a reported update today that Hamlin is conscious and can communicate. And in fact, the first question he wrote to the on-duty nurse was, did we win? So you got to love the competitive nature of the young man. He was reportedly shocked at how long he was out, but was very appreciative of all the support he received over that time. And he also reportedly has been able to hold people's hands throughout the day. All terrific news as we all continue to pray for his rapid recovery. Um, so tonight what we'd like to do in honor of um, DeMar Hamlin is briefly discuss his path to the NFL, 
some of the things he's done on and off the field and, and just kind of talk a little bit about that, get a little bit of awareness out there. And I'm sure there's plenty of other uh, media outlets are talking about this. But, you know, I think this is really important to kind of understand some of the great things he's done. Uh, of course, he was born and raised in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. And Hamlin originally came from Pittsburgh Central Catholic, the top-rated cornerback prospect, having 89 tackles, two interceptions, and three fumble recoveries during a 15-1 and state championship season. He was recruited by Penn State. And get this, he was recruited by your Ohio State uh, there, Scott, and actually also by my Notre Dame uh, and UCLA and many other major colleges. But he, uh, he foregoed all, all those colleges in order to stay closer to home at Pitt, largely wanting to be a positive role model for his younger brother, Demir. Uh, Hamlin stated in a previous interview, quote, me growing up, I didn't have anybody I could look up to or lean on. That's why I stayed home at Pitt. I chose Pitt over everybody just for that one reason, for my brother. While at Pittsburgh, Hamlin started 36 of his final 38 games, twice leading the team in tackles and totaling six career picks, serving as the captain and earning all ACC honors during his senior season. The Bills selected Hamlin in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL Draft, where Hamlin appeared in 14 games as a rookie, playing behind top playmakers Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, where Hamlin also had two additional appearances in their playoff run. He became a starting safety two games into the 2022-22 season, placing Hyde after he went on injured reserve, and in 13 starts and 15 games, Hamlin tallied 91 tackles, six tackles for loss, found 1.5 sacks, two pass deflections, and one forced fumble. Off the field, Hamlin wanted to get back to his hometown of McKees Rocks and initiated a community toy drive for a local daycare all the way back in December 2020. It was the first program of the Chasing M's Foundation, his own startup, and initially set a $2,500 fundraising goal. Within hours of Hamlin's injury Monday night, more than $1 million in donations had flooded the Toy Drives GoFundMe page, which as of today is more than $5 million from over 100,000 donors. So that's always very nice to see uh, him giving back to his hometown, as he's always said he wanted to, and everyone showing their support for DeMar Hamlin. So with that said, we just thought it'd be good to, to talk a little bit about that. Any thoughts uh, here from you, uh, Scott? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously been been kind of a tough week for for players and and just people that saw it in general. Um, you know, I was I was watching the game shortly after the injury and um, with my son, and then my wife was watching it. And we were all kind of glued to the TV. I think it pulled in, you know, so many people to just see what happened to this to this young guy, and and I think that's what's just sort of driven it is that everyone like it was Monday Night Football. The only thing on TV, kind of standalone event at at a weird time, sort of exiting the holidays. So right. I think there was just such a uh, focus from the country on it, and um, you know sometimes you know you don't find out there's these good good people out there and they're doing good things until something bad happens to them, and you know it just turns right. out that it seems like this was he, he was just a really good guy, and I've actually got the GoFundMe page live. And it's to 7.5 million uh, <laughs> yeah. as of right now. So yep. uh, really amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, just glad to hear that he's responding and able to communicate some way because it was, uh, you know, I tweeted out <clears throat> during the game, you know, I've had, we've all had the misfortune if you follow sp- these sports, right? I, I remember as a kid, the, the Mike Utley injury with Detroit right. when he was paralyzed and the Dennis Bird when he was paralyzed and, 
right. Brian's Shazier a few years ago. And, and so it's very recent, yeah. Sort of, yeah, these things kind of stick with you, but it was just weird. I, I so just be there. And then and when Joe Buck said they've been doing CPR for nine minutes, like that just was like, you know, kind of seared into your brain to think about that. And uh, so, yeah, all, all positive signs, I guess, from, from today and, and the last couple of days from where we started Monday. And um, it's just been, uh, it's been interesting to see how everybody's been reacting to it. Yeah. And I think um, one thing that's interesting also is that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk as to what happened immediately on the field. Um, obviously, the doctors at UC Medical Center has, have mentioned many times now that the quick reaction of the Bills medical personnel, as well as the five doctors from UC Medical Center that were actually on the field during the game, uh, and which are on the field during every game, pursuant to NFL protocol, uh, which I didn't realize there was one, but there's NFL protocols in place, with regard to having medical professionals from local hospitals at the game and on call in case something like this were to happen. And of course, um, when asked the question, you know, about what could have been done or what could have been done differently, they said nothing. Everything was done textbook. It was done essentially the way it was supposed to be done. And they got him to the hospital expeditiously in the right, um, in the right state. And everybody did everything they had to do. So, I think what's really good about this is getting some awareness out there that um, perhaps there, it's good that there are protocols. Maybe there are the things, additional safety uh, measures that should be taken. Maybe there should be more that should be put in place in order to make sure that players who are injured on the field, for whatever reason and for whatever condition, have the right medical response and care and um, plan in place in order to optimize their ability to not only save their lives, but to save everything about them. And, and that's one I think is kind of interesting is that when interviewed today, the doctors at the UC Medical Center made clear that the um, Bill's medical staff's um, actions on the field not only saved his life, but saved his neurologic functionality. Um, you know, and they said that sometimes people don't, don't focus on that. It's not the bottom, um, it's not the bottom requirement of just, of just being there to save someone's life, but to save their neurologic functionality so that they can make a recovery. Uh, and 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 they wouldn't he wouldn't be there uh, where he is today without their quick action so to speak. But I think this does is the positive. I think is that it does raise awareness uh, of the fact that perhaps um, additional steps can be made, or that maybe there should be additional steps in place in order to ensure player safety moving forward in other games. I mean, you have any thoughts about the player safety issues in general? Yeah, I think you know. Over the years, it's it's been really about like head and neck injuries, right? Right. So you hear a lot of talk around, you know, we have new protocols on immobilizing players. Like I, I'm sure you remember when we were young, somebody got hit, they basically just drug them off the field. And yeah. now, you yeah. know, with an abundance of caution, if somebody gets a bad hit, they're immobilized, they're bolt, you know, bolted down to the board, they're taken off the field, and then you find out they walk home because it's an abundance of cautious caution things. So I do think that there's been uh, like an evolution of understanding and I'm sure there will be, um, you know, lessons learned and protocols and things that come out of it. But, you know, you're, you kind of get used to the ambulance on the end of the field. You know, you see it all the time. You go to a game, there's always that kind of ambulance off to the side and you see some EMTs or whatever kind of milling around and, you know, they're there for a reason. And 
Um, it, it does sound like the Bills really um, reacted well. Um, support from the Bengals side of the thing, you know, the, the Bengals staff and, you know, everything just, just kind of worked out. So, yeah, I would, I would expect lots of lessons learned to come out of this and, and training and maybe some new equipment. Who knows? I heard the AED was used. You right. know, I'm sure that's kind yep. of standard, but, you yep. know, is there, is there some more things that could be done for next, you know, to make sure this doesn't happen again, or if it does, it's, you know, maximize their, the ability for the player to recover. Yeah. And talking about AEDs, did you realize, I didn't realize this um, until very recently, actually, and I feel kind of a, uh, I'm kind of sad to say that I actually didn't realize this sooner, but you know, those AEDs, you can't actually shock somebody back into having a heartbeat. Like if their heart stops, the AEDs don't work. It actually is only when they're just uh, fibrillating, you know, sort of you defibrillate them with those things, but you on, on, you can't actually shock somebody back uh, if their heart stops. So the CPR is the only way to treat that. I had no idea. I actually didn't, oh, I didn't wow. realize that. Um, and so if you ever watch a TV show where somebody says their heart stops and then they shock them, that's not real, guys. Just FYI. Uh, that's not how it works. Um, and actually, and what it made me kind of smile a little bit when you said back um, when we, you know, back in the day, when we were kids uh, watching this, Ben, back in the day, uh, they probably were using real pig bladders for pig skins and football still at that point. <laughs> so it, it was a long time ago, folks, without dating ourselves. But yeah, you're right. There has been a significant uh, number of improvements over the years. I mean, it, it was a low bar to cross from the days that we were kids. But um, it's certainly become a lot more player safety focused, and they've done a lot in order to improve, for instance, the helmets, the protocols, and all the safety measures in place. And we hope that this incident will help bring to light awareness on um, having those safety protocols in place. We always complain, right? We say, oh, I can't believe it's the no-fun league, you know, and they can't tackle, they can't do this, they can't do that. You know, all those things are in place for a reason, because these are real people, yeah. um, with real families and we want to protect them, right? As much as football is amazing uh, entertainment for all of us. Um, it is, um, a, it is something that they use as a, um, as, as earning potential for their life. And they actually are real people uh, out there on the field. And, and hopefully people appreciate that the next time a situation like this occurs. So hopefully we will not see this again. Um, but I, like we said, great, great story, great news that he is now conscious and communicating. I love the fact, uh, Scott, that the first thing he asked was, did we win? Um, you know, and, and they said that, uh, obviously they said, well, did you know that that was two days ago uh, or, um, you know, and he was absolutely shocked by that. Uh, but great, great news that not only is he uh, conscious, but he is actually able to communicate in a, um, in a manner that is absolutely demonstrating that he is making um, a uh, recovery on a neurologic function there. Always a terrific story. Okay, well, that's what we thought we should start today with, because obviously that is the most important thing right now uh, is DeMar Hamlin's health. We are all praying for his rapid recovery. Um, football doesn't matter. None of this matters uh, unless it, the safe players are safe and, and the players are healthy. Uh, and DeMar Hamlin obviously is in all our thoughts at this time. With that said, um, there is a week 18 coming up, and uh, there are several playoff uh, issues that are still being resolved <laughs> on the field in week 18, and the most important of which to Scott, you, and I in many ways would be the NFC, which we'll start at first because, quite frankly, there is one really important 
uh, seventh seed scenario that we're looking at, and that is the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, the Seattle Seahawks also in the mix. For those who are unaware, if the Packers win, they are in at the seventh seed. If the Detroit Lions win and the Seattle Seahawks lose, the Detroit Lions are in. If the uh, Detroit Lions win and the Seattle Seahawks win, then the Seattle Seahawks are in. I believe I got that right. Um, So that being said, tell me, what's your thoughts here? Detroit Lions are your team. You've been talking about them all year. You actually predicted a relatively reasonable season, and I think that um, from the product on the field, they've exceeded many expectations as to what the Detroit Lions would be this year. So what are your thoughts on the Detroit Lions entering week 18 with a shot at the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's it's a great thing for the team and the city really to even be in the conversation, right? So year after year, um, teams start getting eliminated at like week 13, 14, right? And, and that's just devastating for a fan base and a team because your season's over way before it should be. And the fact that we're sitting here Week 18, the Lions have been flexed for their first primetime game all year. They were the only right. NFL team not to have a primetime game. They get it flexed Sunday night at Lambeau with a chance to stop Green Bay for sure from getting in the playoffs and then giving them cha- themselves a chance to make the playoffs. So I, I think – you know, it would it be great if it was a winner-take-all game? Absolutely. They are dependent on the Seahawks, who play at four. The other wrinkle to that is the Seahawks are playing the Rams, who the Rams own the pick that will become the Lions' pick. So if the Rams lose, the pick gets better, um, but the Lions are out of the playoffs. So, so there's so many layers to this, but just the fact that they're in the conversation, uh, the second half of the year, the team has really – you know, played as well as all fans would have liked to have seen them play the first part of the year. But just to be in this spot, you know, Sunday night, Lambeau Field can stop Aaron Rodgers from making the playoffs, potentially get in themselves. I think it'll be great. I mean, the the Seahawks game is literally going to be coming down to an end as the Lions game is like they're warming up and getting ready to kick off. So um, just from that standpoint, really excited Um, and, and just Happy to see the team heading in the right direction, finally, finally. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I uh, somewhat uh, jokingly but, in, but uh, mentioned, but, uh, but obviously uh, having come off the loss to your Lions the first time, being a Bears fan, I said, oh, well, neither of us are going to make the playoffs anyway. And you said, oh, I don't know, because the NFC, you know, that last spot is, uh, is still up for grabs. And I said, oh, well, right now the Lions are last. Uh, in the NFC yep. playoff picture. <laughs> and guess what? Here we are in week 18. Uh, they're not last anymore. <laughs> so uh, I owe you an apology. That obviously was prescient of you and was overly judgmental of me uh, to say that the Lions wouldn't make the playoffs. So, uh, and I can't say uh, enough how much I hope the Lions beat the Packers this weekend. And it's not only because um, I dislike the Packers being a Bears fan, and of course I can say many things about Aaron Rodgers, none of which is going to be nice to him. Uh, but that being said, I think it's the, the heart that the Lions have shown in this season, the how they've come together, how they, in a, in a year where people predicted them to be less than mediocre, 
and said, well, this is a, you know, Jared Goff is a bridge quarterback and all this other stuff. The fact that they've been able to pull together and do this is quite a, um, is quite a testament to what the team has done and what um, Dan Campbell has been involved with and what's been done over there in Detroit. So, and I, I just said, great for the city as well. So fantastic. I hope they, I hope they do win. They are actually 4.5 point underdogs. Uh, right now to the Packers. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works. And of course, they're playing at Lambeau, and that generally gives you that three-point edge. Mm-hmm. So think of it more like a 1.5-point um, spread between the teams. But Lambeau does weird things. Weird things happen at Lambeau. You know, they, that the, the Packers find a way to win games which they shouldn't win. And of course, you have to deal with the Raiders, I mean, with the Raiders, with the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams. Um, that is going to be a huge question mark there as to what type of um, what type of competition the Rams will provide against the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks are there are favored by six and a half over the Rams. So let's take that one at a time here. Talk, take, talk us about, take us through this Detroit Lions-Packers game. What are the keys to the game you see here, not only for your Lions, but also for the Packers? What do you think are the keys of the game for both sides? I think it's going to come down to – what is the weakness of the Lions and what has been a struggle for the Packers shockingly until later in the season. And that's the pass defense. Right. Um, You know, and it's hard to say that with Aaron Rodgers, but they've struggled, you know, early in the year getting rhythm with these receivers, which has come on recent, you know, recently, which has led to green Bay's victories, but the Detroit back end is where they've had problems in the past. And, when they can hold their own on the backside of that defense, uh, that's when they end up having, you know, victories and having some good wins. The front four of Detroit the, mm-hmm. with all these rookies is far exceeded, you know, my expectations. When you have Hutchinson, when you have Pascal, who I was excited about, and then you have Houston coming out of uh, Jackson State with Dion. Like guys, I don't know what his stats are, but he's played like four games and has like six sacks or something crazy. Right. Um, and Kaminsky. So I do think it's going to come down to, you know, if Rodgers gets in rhythm with his receivers and he's able to do what he wants and pick them off, Detroit's in big trouble. That'll absolutely be the key to the game. But if Akuda and, you know, the guys on the backside, Joseph, can, can hold their own, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, no, I think so. I think on the uh, Packers side, one of the things that we've seen is that their special teams and defense have sparked the offense. When they're playing well, the offense plays well. When they're playing poorly, it's a little bit more of a coin flip. And we've seen a lot of inconsistency, a lot of uncharacteristic inconsistency in Aaron Rodgers. And of course, Aaron Rodgers will throw his team under the bus any chance he gets. Uh, when interviewed earlier today, he said, well, we've been in a lot of big games, but it's a young league, and there's only a smattering of those on my team. So, you know, uh, he, he's basically saying, hey, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but you guys might not. Um, you know, that's a little bit of vintage Aaron Rodgers for you. But he's not wrong. I mean, playing in big situations is something that is going to be new to most of those Packers. And he hasn't had a lot of consistency from his receiving core uh, from week to week, basically uh, due to – some um, uh, just having not the right amount of um, uh, game experience, but also from injuries, you know, just having a number of injuries out there as well. So what do you think here? Call the game for me. How do you see this game going between the Packers and the Lions? 
Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to call it Detroit 21, Green Bay 17, a little bit lower oh, wow. scoring than than expected. Uh, I think the Detroit back end is going to show up. I, I think regardless of what happens in the Seattle game, you know, Dan Campbell and that crew wants to win. Uh, they want to set a tone, and if they can knock Rodgers out of the playoffs, then then great. So I look forward to watching – uh, Rodgers gets sacked four or five times by that uh, <laughs> defensive front from Detroit, as as you got to see up close and personal uh, yeah. quite a bit last week. A little too close and personal, uh, in a matter <laughs> of fact. Uh, and that being said, of course, the uh, I have nothing to root for as my Bears are starting. Nathan Peterman, who once had a, uh, I believe Nathan Peterman had a GoFundMe page many years ago where someone had a GoFundMe page to have Nathan Peterman retire by raising money for his retirement when he played for the Bills. Uh, not real nice guys, but it kind of tells you what we're dealing with at this point uh, as, we're, as the Bears are looking to sit Justin Fields um, in, in, term, in hopes of, A, keeping him uh, healthy into the offseason, and, B, perhaps tanking for that number one pick. You never know what's going to happen over there. Yeah, um, yeah so you that got something being, to play for. <laughs> yeah, we got something to not play for. <laughs> it's really what it boils right. down to. Uh, Vikings actually favored by 7.5 in that game. I don't see why the Vikings won't be favored more, but I guess the Vikings position might not be impacted by a win is what I understand. So um, that may have made uh, may impact what the Vikings do game. It could be a lot of backups playing backups, and that would be no fun for anybody to watch um, except for those related to the backups. Uh, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks game very, very briefly. Um, Seattle Seahawks, again, playing the Rams. The Rams are underdogs there by six and a half. It's really impossible to predict what the Rams are going to do. Uh, obviously, I'm rooting for the Rams, not only because uh, I'd love to see the Lions make it, but also because um, Baker Mayfield has had a resurgence there, and, and I kind of like the idea of having a resurgence in a new, new place after having such poor results in Carolina. Um, because I want him to see more, do more uh, commercials. I like his commercials. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's what I like about Baker Mayfield. Uh, so what do you think here? Rams and Seahawks, uh, what do you think? you want to call this game for me? Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Um, I, I did see a little bit of speculation that, that Stafford might play. He has been cleared. Um, but I would be completely shocked if they did that. Um, you know, Baker can make some plays. McVay's, uh, you know, brilliant offensive coordinator or, you know, offensive play caller as a head coach. And, you know, I think the Rams um, are going to to get a victory here. I think the connection between Detroit trading Stafford, Stafford winning a Super Bowl. We had the whole, you know, Detroit Rams thing going on last year. Now we come full circle. The Rams can beat Seattle, get Detroit in the playoffs. So, I'm going to say football, everything's kind of lining up. So I'm going to go uh, 24-21, Rams win, and uh, the Lions make their way into the playoffs. Yep. Okay, wow. That'd be, uh, that'd be something. That'd be really cool. I would love to see it. So we'll see how that uh, plays out there. I, I actually am going to predict the Rams win, but only because of the fact that I just, you know, they've been hot and cold. They have good and bad games. I just feel like, and a dice roll, they're going to come out big this weekend and just shock everybody in a situation which in no way helps the Rams uh, in terms of um, anything, really. So that being said, and I'd be surprised if Matt Stafford plays. That just seems like a bad idea. I mean, I don't know why you put him at risk at this point. He's clearly your starter. 
um, get him healthy. And this is not a game where you want to risk his health going into the offseason. Um, that being said, let's turn to the AFC very, very briefly at the very end here. So the NFL has made no decision yet regarding the Bills-Bengals game after it was suspended. Uh, there is some indication that they may rule it a no contest. Um, if they rule it a no contest, of course, play, playoff seating will be determined pretty much on Week 18 results. Um, the Chiefs win against the Raiders on Saturday, and they will be the number one seed. Um, I see no reason why the Chiefs don't win on Saturday. Uh, so they basically would get the number one seed. Um, as for the Bills, they could only become the top seed if they beat the Patriots on Sunday and the Chiefs lose on Saturday. So the, really the Bills have no shot at one unless they get help from the Chiefs losing to the Raiders. And the Bengals are entirely out of contention for their one seed. They were on, in contention prior. They, if this was declared a no contest, they would be out of contention for one. They could be a two seed, however, if they beat the Ravens and the Bills lose um, based on strength of victory tiebreaker. Um, so, and, that, and if that happened, there is a possibility that it would be a Bills-Bengals game in the divisional round, interestingly enough. So that being said, any thoughts on the AFC side here and what's going to happen? I mean, I think, uh, obviously, if it ends up being an open contest, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to get the one seed and get the bye. Yeah, this is really complicated, and, and uh, the NFL's got, you know, a big decision here to, to try to figure this out, and it's, it's really unprecedented. Um, I, I agree. I, I don't think they play the game. I, I said that, you know, after a couple of days of, of kind of seeing where things were going. I just don't see how they play this game and make it work with the playoffs coming up and the Super Bowl. It just – there's just not enough time. So – yeah, I think they they somehow clear it off the books. I think the Chiefs land in that one seed, and then the rest kind of sorts itself out. I, I will say I, I did read one kind of out there scenario where there was talk of adding an eight team to each conference into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that's, that's pretty dramatic. Um, but – you know, the NFL has got to figure out how to get through this. But, uh, right. yeah, it's, right. it's definitely unprecedented uh, for sure. And they're going to have to tell the teams – they're going to have to make a decision tomorrow because the teams playing Saturday need to know what's going on, right? So right. the NFL is going to have to announce this tomorrow is my guess. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I suspect that, the, uh, that you are going to be right that they will declare the game a no contest uh, and then move into week 18. So we will see. And, of course, at that point, then seeding and uh, positioning, playoff positioning, will be determined by winning percentage as opposed to strict um, win-loss uh, records. So that will be interesting. And this is obviously not – that's not unprecedented, by the way, because winning percentages were uh, discussed as being the determination for playoff, uh, percentage, uh, playoff seeding in the pandemic year of 2020. So this is not something that the NFL has not looked at before. Um, so with that said, we have come to the end of our episode today. So let me go ahead and hit the air horn on the show. And thank you, Scott, for joining me for this special episode. Thank you for uh, your comments. Of course, all our thoughts and prayers of Damar Hamlin. Um, and Scott, why don't you go ahead and provide us with your uh, social media so people can follow you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, hit me on uh, NFL fantasy underscore more, um, you know, looking to, to have some, some good news to share on Hamlin. And then also, you know, Saturday we're going to be on the field. There's going to be games. So 
you know, there'll be things to talk about. But, yeah, definitely been an interesting week and, and glad we were able to kind of chat and share our thoughts on it for sure. Yes, and thanks thanks so much for that. And, of course, um, my name is Hakun Wong, and I'm. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. You can find me on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. Um, as we said at the beginning of the episode, and as I said a minute ago, all our thoughts and prayers with Damar Hamlin and his speedy recovery. Great news that he's making positive uh, steps right now to his recovery, and all our thoughts and prayers are on that. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 